So the message this morning is on the geography of the kingdom. The geography of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a terrain that, that must be discovered. Initially, you begin from the first level, then you go to the second level, then the third level. When Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 that seek ye first the kingdom, he didn't say read about the kingdom. He didn't say hear about the kingdom. He said seek. To seek means to move from one corner to another corner, from one terrain to another terrain. So I'm going to show you from the scripture the three terrains of the kingdom or the three geographies of the kingdom. So the message this morning is on the geography of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 3 begins by talking about John the Baptist. The Bible says that John began preaching in those days saying the kingdom is at hand. That was the first geography of the kingdom. It was at hand or it was near so to speak. Initially the kingdom is just at hand. It is in the vicinity. That is the first level of the kingdom. And we are going to see the demonstration of it, the reality of it, as we proceed with the study. Later on in Luke chapter 11, from verse 14 to 20, we see Jesus saying, If by the finger of God I cast out devils, then the kingdom has come upon you. Initially it was at hand, it was in the vicinity. Now it is upon you. You are no longer hearing rumors about the kingdom. You are no longer hearing, uh, you know, news briefs about the kingdom. Now, it is sitting on you. What does it mean for the kingdom to sit upon you? We shall explain it shortly. Then lastly, now in uh, Luke chapter 17, from verse 20 going down, Jesus is saying, now, do not be deceived that the kingdom can be measured by observation. It cannot be captured by analysis because, now he finishes by saying, the kingdom is within you. Initially it was at hand, it was just rumors. People of God, there were days some of you used to read your Bibles. There were days some of you used to open the scriptures. There were days some of you were obsessed with the scriptures. And not anymore, no wonder there is a nearness to God you don't feel anymore. And you think it may come by laying on hands. You think it may come by singing nice songs. No. The Bible has its place. No one can replace the preaching of the word of God. No one can replace the reading of the word of God. I like the way Paul was so adamant. He told Timothy, Timothy, chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, Till I come, give yourself to the public reading of the scripture and to preaching of the word. Why the public reading of scripture? Because, last week for those of you who are here in our first service, we said Paul entered Corinth. And when he entered Corinth, later on he went to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, there was a power show where witches came and were converted. And the Bible says they brought books. And these books were burned. And the sum total of those books was 50,000 shekels of silver. Now, let me give you a bit of history. Ephesus was the chief capital city of the occult in the ancient world. And history tells us there was a five-time football stadium of a temple dedicated to the goddess Diana. And this whole region of Asia was captured from Ephesus. How was it captured? There were books. 
There were books that were being read by this priest. There were books that contained the secrets of these people. And I tell you the truth, if you want to rule a culture, write a book. If you want to influence a culture, write a book on your ideals. God has already written his word. We have to read it. God has already written his, written his word. We have to preach it without compromise. And if your village is just known for development of water and fruits and all these CDF things, and your village has no regular run-through of the word, you need to go on your knees and tell God, may the kingdom come near my village. One of the things that make Nairobi and Kenya so beautiful is the rampant preaching of, this, of the word of God in every street. Let me tell you something for those of you who have traveled. If you go to a region where the word of God is not as rampant as we see it in this nation, you will automatically feel there is a fairness of God. A friend of mine went to India and later on he flew, I think, to other parts of the Middle East. He told me, my brother, when I reached there, there was so much drought. And I didn't understand why. Till now I can see that the more we are preaching in buses and in trains and in schools, the more the word of God is being shouted about, the more heaven comes near us. Go back to your family. Read the scriptures once again as a family. Go back to your families. Expound on the word of God so that the kingdom can come near. But the other way the kingdom comes near very fast is through John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? John the Baptist is a repeater of a message. John did not have a sermon. He just had one message. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. Repent, Monday to Friday. Repent, the kingdom is at hand. And sometimes God can send a John the Baptist into your life. A man who does not have many stories. He has only one story to give you. And you know, the problem with us today is our culture is so creative. It cannot stand repetition. We want this music, then that music, then that music, then that music. There were days preachers did not have two messages. They just had one message. And the more they repeated it, the more God backed them up. And the more they repeated it, the more God backed them up. Do not be tired of listening to the same message. Let it run and run till the kingdom has come near. And do not be afraid or feel like you are being stupid by repeating the same message to your son or your husband or your daughter. Keep repeating it till you feel the kingdom now has come near in Jesus' name. The second thing which I'm going to dwell on so much, but before I go there, allow me to quote Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, which pastor quoted on Sunday brilliantly, was the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. When the preaching is done, now the next verses talks about the deeds. He has commanded me to bind the broken hearted, to comfort the mourning, to heal those who are sick. This manifestation cannot come before the preaching. Do not rush for manifestation before you are grounded in a proper preaching and teaching of the word of God. I like what uh, Luke quotes in um, Acts chapter 1 verse 1. He says, these are the things that Jesus both began to do and also to say or to teach. So as I'm coming to the second geography of the kingdom, I'm coming to what we call the demonstration of the word. There is the preaching of the word, but there is the demonstration of the word. 
There are people who are content only with preaching and teaching, but they do not want demonstration. Demonstration of the word is very critical. Why is it critical? Let me shock you. Every man born of a woman in this world will be born into a stronghold. From day one, every child born, there is a stronghold waiting for him. Every village has a stronghold that has already erected itself around it. Right now, there are parts of this nation like Samburu and Turkana where land is fertile or barren and there is nobody there. The moment people will get there, they will already find a stronghold. Every congregation, there is a stronghold that will always be there. So Jesus is saying, if by the finger of God I cast out devils, then now the kingdom can move from being around to being upon. Some of you are like, why have I been talking to my child since he was born about the Bible and he seems to be still not responding? You were giving him the first geography. Now you need to go to the second geography. Why am I talking about God blessing my business, confessing scriptures, and nothing is happening? There is the preaching, but there is the proving. There is the word of God, but there is the word from God. The word of God is already settled in heaven and on earth. It is already in your laps right now as you are reading it. But the word from God of Satan, get out. Sickness, get out. That one is the second terrain of the, of, of the kingdom, which many of us have ignored. So Jesus was not just you know, preaching good news, he was also proving the good news. Jesus was not just telling them that it is well, he was proving that it was well. He didn't just tell the woman, woman, hey, your son is dead, oh I'm sorry, do you have bursary for the other children? No, he said, woman, do not cry, your child is going to live again. There was a demonstration. Why this demonstration? I repeat to you people, every man born in this world is born into a stronghold. Every family raised on this world is raised onto a stronghold. And it will take the finger of God to overthrow this stronghold. After that, now the kingdom can come and be established. The moment you say, I'm going to start a business in the south of Nairobi or in the north of Nairobi, a stronghold has already gone ahead of you. Why? Because the demonstration of power is what establishes the kingdom. No kingdom is established without power. Paul says the kingdom of God is not in what? In words only. But it is also in what? In power. And I tell you, people of God, whether we like it or not, we are going to walk in power. We are going to demonstrate power. We are going to exercise power. Things that have been strong for too long, we will, we, we will be able to prove they can be weak. And after that, we'll now establish the kingdom. Some of you are not where God wanted you to be because after you listened to the message of salvation, you did not tell God that, Lord, I desire to prove the message of salvation. Some of you, had you proved, had you angered for that evidence of the power of God, you could be sitting in a higher seat than you are sitting, but your season has come. There is another chance God is giving you. Do not lose it. So Jesus is saying, hey, it is not enough that I've told you it is well. I want to prove to you that it is well. How do we, I've gone around since I was a teenager, 
doing ministry. And one thing I've proved in evidence is that when God wants to establish his kingdom, when God wants to plant a church, I've planted a few in the past, when God wants to plant a fellowship, one of the first things to show that this is going to be a true planting of God is when demons are cast out. Any place I've gone and suddenly there was a manifestation and a removing of demons, whether from one person or ten people, I have always known there is something building up here. When there is a power struggle, it means a new regime is coming in, the old one is going out. And sometimes before you go starting those businesses, take time and do a power struggle. Take time and kick some devils out. Take time and rebuke some devils. Then after that, now tell God, come, sit, because no one will move you out. And soon, as Pastor will explain to us, we are going to begin to do deliverances and healings like never before. We are going to overthrow demons that have ruled families for generations. We are going to overthrow demons that have stopped businesses for generations. And I tell you the truth. This kingdom will expand. This kingdom will expand. The territories we have known, we will not know them anymore. We are going for new territories in Jesus' name. Finally, in the interest of time, Jesus now talks about uh, Luke 17, about something I love. The kingdom is within you. Initially, it was near you. Then it came and sat on you. After that, it is now within you. Let's read Luke 17, verse 20. The Bible says, And when it was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom, and I learned the word when, the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo, here or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Yesterday I met some two dear friends of mine who are expectant. I think one of them is looking at me right now. And every time I keep asking them, is the baby kicking? Are you still having those news years of yours and those whatever is going on with your body? And they try to explain to me, but I cannot get Because the kingdom is not within me. <laughs> The kingdom is not within me. It is within them. And one thing a woman will tell you when the baby is in there is the fact that they will know now I am almost. Now I am not. Now I am almost. Now I am not. Never forget this for the rest of your life. Nothing gives you power than your ability to discern Jesus. Why were the Pharisees the Pharisees and the disciples the disciples? They discerned seasons differently. The Pharisees were still waiting for Elijah to come or Jeremiah to come. The disciples knew this thing has already happened. When the kingdom is within you, you no longer can guess. You know what God is up to. And some of you, it is time for you to discover the timings of God for your life. Some of you, it is time to discover the timings of God. Because when you discover the time, no wonder Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It does not come by observation. It is not a climate thing. But it is within you. Meaning, you no longer do guesswork. You do what we call discernment work. 
And some of you, had you known what last year God wanted, you will not be sitting where you are seated. Had you known what God wanted by August, had you known why the church is going the way it is going, had you known your season. One of the places where Jesus cried bitterly was where Jerusalem missed their season. The kingdom was trying to enter into the womb of Jerusalem and the kingdom could not enter. Why? The people did not discern their ties. Initially, it is near. Then it sits upon you. But now, it is now in you. Now, like that woman I met yesterday, you know it is 32 weeks. We have, how many to go? Is it 32 weeks? Boy, oh boy. Is it how many weeks? Let's not go that direction. <laughs> and you know it. You know that now, this thing, I need to wear this, and I need to adjust to this. You know your own climate. You no longer need somebody to tell you how to eat. Are you hearing me? You no longer need anybody to teach you how to do. You no longer need anybody to tell you, do not jump like this. The thing is in you. You are self-regulated. You are now wiser, not because a teacher is constantly giving you wisdom, but because within you, you have the wisdom. Within you, you have the, you know, the step. Within you, direction. May the kingdom come within us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you. The message I want to share this morning, as we agreed with the man of God, is entitled, The Geography of the Kingdom. The Geography of the Kingdom. And we agreed, I begin by describing what the kingdom is. And sometimes the way to describe something is to describe what it is not. So by looking at what the kingdom is not, then now we can understand what the kingdom is. I will use three examples that are common in scripture when we talk about the kingdom. There were days people worshipped Baal. There was a god called Baal. And there were days people worshipped Asherah. There was a goddess or a, what we call a, 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 a deity called Asherah. Then there were also days people worshipped Chemosh. So these were three deities that used to rule those days. No king could rule if he was a heathen without honoring Baal. No king could rule without honoring Asherah. No king could rule those days without honoring the goddess called Chemosh. Who was Baal? Baal, if you... Your Bible. Baal is the god of reason or the god of intelligence while Asherah was the god of fertility or of, of sexuality, while Chemosh was the god of fire and death. Chemosh was determining whether you will go to the other life peacefully or not. And why do I bring these things up? Because it is true, days have changed. We no longer have a place called Baal worship. We no longer have a place called Asherah worship. We no longer have a place called Chemosh worship. But Baal is still real. Because no generation is ruled by a reason like this one. No generation is ruled by intellectualism than this current generation. Again, Asherah is so real. Because never has sex and perversion been glorified like these times in which we live. 
It is no longer an issue of are you godly, it is an issue of are you appealing. When people focus on appeals, when people focus on how they look, they are honoring Asherah. So you go to TV this morning, you go to TV this night, you go to our billboards, you go all over, and there is a God called Asherah being lifted up. And people have a hope for a future, no longer because of God, but because of their reason. Sometimes I meet people, and the first thing they tell me is what they did in school, and what they are expecting out of life based on school. We don't despise school. But when God is mentioned after school, then Baal is in charge. Are you hearing me? And there are people who are, as we speak right now, either you or a relative of yours, has already condemned himself because school has not worked out. Because grades have not worked out. Did we not even hear of children committing suicide because of school? What is happening? Baal is busy demanding, worship me because I'm the God of reason. But there's another God called Chemosh, the God of fire, the God of death, the God of destruction. This was the God women used to take their children and offer in their, in their arms. And the fire could burn and consume these children. And the women could believe, now my, my future as a woman, my future as a person will be better. And how many days do we find children offered to the God of pleasure, to the God of convenience, to the God of expectation? When young girls nowadays conceive in campus or they conceive in high school, the first thing they think of is abortion. What they are doing, they are honoring a God called Chemosh. They are offering their children for the sake of their own convenience. I speak this because when we talk about the geography of the kingdom, I need you to understand. The kingdom is not coming to beg you. The kingdom is coming to take over you. Jesus is coming to overtake your reason. Jesus is coming to overtake your sense of pleasure. Jesus is coming to overtake your plans. We need to put it straight to you. Because to worship Chemosh is to take charge of your future, but to worship Jesus is to give him your future. So when you talk about the geography of the kingdom, we are looking at Matthew 6.33, which says, Seek ye first the kingdom. But how do we seek a kingdom we have no idea about? How do we seek a kingdom we do not know how to go about? The kingdom is not a one-stop de uh, destination. The kingdom is a journey. When you are seeking for something, it means you are taking a journey. So there is the first step that I'm going to explain, then the second step that I'm going to explain, then the third step I'm going to explain. How many are ready for those explanations? Thank you very much. So the kingdom of God, in short, is Christ revealed, Christ experienced. Why did I begin by talking about Baal? Because you can be so busy with the reason till Christ appears and you cannot embrace him. Why did I begin talking about Asherah? You can be so obsessed about how your body is or is not till you forget there is something bigger than your body. There is something bigger than your appeal. Why did I begin by talking about Chemosh? I began because there is something greater than your convictions about the future. Chemosh was being worshipped so that people could have a better future. So a woman could take her firstborn and say, when I kill this one, then my future will be good. 
And some people are in this place. You are more worried about your future than about the God who created you. And this service is for you. The Lord is going to set you free. So Jesus is the kingdom. The kingdom is not an idea. The kingdom is a person. The same way Baal was a demonic entity and Chemosh was a demonic entity and Asherah was a demonic entity. All these were entities and they were replaced the day Jesus showed up on earth. I hope now you understand why the Pharisees used to be so offended by Jesus and even by the disciples because the Bible says they were unlearned. This learning was not bad, but to take God below it and to put it above God was to worship bad. And I beg you, I keep feeling it, I beg you people, do not put your trust in your intelligence. Do not put your trust on philosophy. Do not put your trust on the papers you have or the papers you don't have. Put your trust in Jesus. Run and rise above Baal. Do not bow to Baal. And for you women and even men who have an issue with your body, do not trust your body. Trust Jesus. Whether your body is appealing or not appealing, do not put your trust in it. Trust the Lord Jesus. Rise above Asherah in Jesus' name. So Jesus becomes the kingdom. Why does he become the kingdom? Because before he showed up, Baal was in town. Before he showed up, Asherah was in town. Before he showed up, Chemosh was in town. So when he walks in into the culture of Israel, what he was doing, he was toppling all these entities. He was telling these entities, step aside. It is time for God who created these people to walk among them, to eat among them to sit among them, to touch them though they are feeling unworthy, to talk to them though they are not learned. The Jesus we are talking about as the kingdom is the Jesus who comes to live among you and who comes to feel what you feel and to teach you at your level. The kingdom of God is when Jesus takes over every other culture that is there. The first geography we see of Jesus taking over is in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. The Bible says, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching and saying, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom was not yet arrived. It was just on its way coming. And in the next chapter, which is chapter 4 and chapter 5 of the same Matthew, we see Jesus now arriving and beginning to walk among the people. He begins to eat among them. He attended their weddings and their funerals. He went to their homes. He went to their marketplaces. He sat down with them. Sometimes he stood. Sometimes he talked loud. Sometimes he healed. The kingdom was coming, but it had not yet arrived. Now, how were these people to be prepared? They were to be prepared through the preaching of the word. They were to be prepared through the preaching of the word. John the Baptist did not just come because he was a he came because a word had been given and written down. A word that now God used him to fulfill. A word that was touching on the person of Jesus. And you may ask me, man of God, why do you tell me the kingdom must be preached? Why do you tell me about the preaching of the kingdom? I'm telling you about the preaching of the kingdom because some of you are more concerned about a water project reaching your village. You are more concerned about electricity reaching your village. You are more concerned about a dispensary reaching your village. Yet you do not know. 
suppose you sponsored the preaching of the word in your village, you will have brought Jesus closer. And all these things now, as he says in Matthew 6.33, will be able to follow your village. To this, 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 these days we are more concerned about the so-called mindeleo or development. We are forgetting there is something serious than development. This thing is called the reaching of the gospel in the places where it has not reached. There is no hope for any village which has not embraced the preaching of the word. And I dare say publicly, there is no hope for any nation or any society which has not embraced the preaching of the gospel. Isaiah, 60, uh, Isaiah 53 says, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the harm or the power of God been revealed? Before the power can be revealed, the report must be received. The preaching of the word is neglected. Nowadays we motivate people, we cheer up people. In fact, comedians are more popular than preachers. And we are losing it as a society. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you will not be addicted to comedy. You will be addicted to the word of God. You will not be addicted to rallies and politics. You will be addicted to the word of God. Paul says it is able to save your soul and to preserve it to eternal life. And some of you, you need to go back to the place of reading the word as a family. No longer use five hours shopping and hanging out. Use that time to cultivate scriptures, and the knowledge of the person of Jesus. When John said the kingdom is at hand, he was not just giving a theory. He was signaling a reality that was forever going to change our world. Some of you need to go read your history. Before Jesus physically walked on this earth, we were the most backward species you could ever come across. We were the most frustrated entity God ever created. But when he began walking and ministering, the place of women forever changed. The place of children forever changed. The place of government forever changed. Actually, Western civilization came out of the teaching of Jesus. The fact that we have democracy is because we had Jesus. I beg you, do not rush to do development, whether to your children or to your family or to your village before you have brought the kingdom near. The second, the second level or geography of the kingdom. So we say the first level is the preaching or the teaching of the scriptures about Jesus. Not just scriptures, just like that. Scriptures about Jesus. Paul says Moses is read in every Sabbath, in every synagogue. Yet these people do not change. Why don't they change? Because there is a reading of Moses. There is a reading of letters. The letter killeth the spirit, giveth life. The spirit comes through the revealing of Jesus. The second geography of the kingdom, we see in Luke chapter 11, from verse 14, going down to verse 20. The Bible says, and Jesus, as he was casting out some devils, the Pharisees came complaining. And they began to call him Belzebub. And they had a problem with him casting out devils. There was such a nuisance from them. There was such a pain from them. And Jesus answered and said, No kingdom divided against itself can stand. And he gives this classic in verse 20. If I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, then 
the kingdom has come upon you. Previously, it was at hand. It was near. It was in the vicinity. Now, it is upon you. What does it mean for the kingdom to be upon you? This is where it gets interesting. Every man born into this world will walk into a stronghold. He will walk into a devil. You don't teach a Luo or a Kikuyu child to be Luo or Kikuyu. They just become Kikuyus. They just become Luos. You don't teach a white man to be a white man. He's just white from the day he's born. And all the baggage that follows their culture or their tribe will just follow them. You don't teach a woman how to be a woman, to be weak or strong. You don't teach her that. They just become. This stronghold, if not addressed in power, will never allow the lordship of Jesus to be experienced. Initially, Jesus is just a message. He's just a message preachers are preaching about. He's just a message teachers are teaching about. After a while, he's no longer just a message. He is now a lord coming to sit on you. Coming to take over. Now what do we say? Jesus is savior and what? Lord over my life. Now some of you have been saying it because your previous pastor told you to say it. But there is a reality when Jesus now says the spirit of immorality leave this mama, leave this baba and I want to sit and crown myself over you with holiness. The spirit of poverty leave and the Lord Jesus begins to rebuke poverty and to cast it out and remove it from your life. Then he comes and sits and says, Now you will know that I am your provider, not your pay slip, but me. And that's laughing. <laughs> oh, I scared the children. Pastor, forgive me. Now, there is a revealing of the power of God, a manifestation of the power of God where you are no longer just hearing, you are now encountering. There is the hard word of God. Give him a clap. <laughs> there is the word of God that you hear, but there is the word of God you meet. There is the word of God, but there is the word from God. Of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was good. They knew it, yet they were still under Pharaoh. But the word from God is, let my people go. The word from God is, Pharaoh, I will strike your firstborn. And we need to come to that point. You know, I wish I was an evangelist. I could be jumping on the seats and saying, scream, yes. <laughs> and making you feel ready for the power. But listen, the word of God can be known by everybody. But the word from God can only be known by those who the kingdom has come upon them. And the kingdom is now kicking devils from their lives, removing strongholds that have sat on them. And some of you, I hope the Lord is comforting you with this revelation. The issue that you raised your child and taught your child the ways of God, taught him Bible and read him verses before he slept every night, that does not mean that child will bow to Jesus. There is still the removing of the family devils. Did I speak something? The removing of the family devils. Grandpa was a drunkard. This will not follow my son. Am I talking? 
grandma was a witch. This will not follow my daughter. And you stand in authority because beyond the spoken little good word, there is the demonstrated word. Isaiah 61, we love it. It says, the Spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. Somebody say good news. But after the preaching of the good news, we need to set the captives free. So the Bible says, now, to set those who are oppressed free, to proclaim liberty for the oppressed, to announce the acceptable year, meaning previous years were not acceptable. The second geography is where you move from hearing the word, hearing the preaching, reading the word, reading sermons and listening to them. Now you encounter that power. And that power does not come to play with the devils. It comes to uproot devils. Once it has uprooted the devils, now it can sit over you. Some of you, I hope now you are understanding why despite the fact that you really love Jesus, you can't just seem to serve him. You can't seem to serve him because you have heard of him with the years. Now you need to fill him with your own life. You have heard of him preached, you have heard of him taught, but you have never experienced the demonstration of power. Paul says the kingdom of God is not just in words, but it is in the power. I want to challenge you to believe with me unless I believe for myself, but believe with me, in this period that we are entering into, we are going to see the power of God demonstrated like never before. We are going to see healings and deliverance like we have never seen before. We are going to see devils screaming and running away, never to come back like never before. And the reason why we need devils to go is because no two kingdoms can share the same locality. One kingdom must go. And another kingdom must come. And we believe the kingdom of God who is Christ himself is the one we are bringing to our lives and bringing to our children and bringing to our businesses. I have no problem with the scriptures, but I have a problem with the scriptures that don't work. They don't work because there's a devil blocking them from working. That devil, whatever his name and origin, we cast it from this altar in the name of Jesus. That devil of unbelief, we cast it out in the name of Jesus. Talking about unbelief, before I go to the third geography. The children of Israel had a problem. This was their problem during the days of Jesus. They didn't believe. But do you know why they didn't believe? Fathers in the wilderness did not believe. So unbelief was a family stronghold. Unbelief was a family devil. And I stand in authority, I decree, every family devil that is trying to block you from the kingdom of God. Let it be cast in the name of Jesus. Let it be uprooted in the name of Jesus. Whatever devil from your family lineage, we cast it in the name of Jesus. So there was a family devil in Israel. And I'm sorry, to date as we speak, that family devil is still there. May the Lord open your eyes to see those devils. Not to make you victim. To make you convicted. And to make you excellent in authority and power. So that you can experience the true lordship of Jesus. Final point before I go to the third point. How do you know God wants to set camp in your town? God wants to set camp in your life. 
How do we know now it is no longer me in this business? It is me and God. How do you know God is taking over? Very simple. Immediately, God wants to set up his camp. He will begin by removing devils. There is no day there is going to be a camping of Jesus in your life without devils being overthrown. And how do you sense that a church like this is about to expand? Something new is about to happen. When devils begin to scream and leave. When devils begin to leave people. Individually, sometimes even corporately. Because according to, you know, the way we know life, there will never be an expansion of a terrain without destruction of a new terrain. There is no salvation without destruction. Before Israel can be saved, Egypt must be, must be destroyed. Before you can be a believer and you begin to trust Jesus, your sinful nature must be destroyed. So anytime God is expanding his terrain, he will begin by destroying something. And that something is usually the wrong thing he wants to remove. I pray in the name of Jesus, may every terrain that is yet to be conquered, which is at the hand of the devil, may those devils be destroyed. May those devils be removed and may the kingdom come. And one of the ways, even as a missionary, I've seen, when the Lord is about to establish his work, he begins by moving in so much power after that. Now he settles the dust and he establishes things. How do I prove this? Acts chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, now this is the record of the things Jesus began to do and then teach. He began by doing something. He began by healing the sick. He began by overthrowing devils. After that, he now established his teachings, and the listeners were attentive. Some of you are trying to teach somebody who may need deliverance. You are trying to talk to somebody, demons are already blocking their ears. And you are thinking maybe you need to raise your voice, maybe you need to use better English. No. Use power before you use oratory. Use power before you use intelligence. And God will grant you the results. The final terrain of the kingdom, which is the third and final, remember I'm using scriptures. I'm not using a theory. You can prove it from your Bible. The final terrain of the kingdom we see in Luke chapter 17. When you begin from verse 14, you go down. But the 20th verse is my focus. Jesus is asked by the Pharisees, show us when the kingdom will come. When will it come? How will it come? And Jesus told them, no. The kingdom will not come by observation. You cannot say there it is or here it is or behold it is there. Because the kingdom is within you. Initially it was at hand. It was a rumor. It was, it was, it was in the news feed. It was in CNN, whatever. It was just at hand. It was a story. It was a teaching. It was a preaching. After that, devils were kicked and it stood on you. Now, it is not just standing on you. It is within you. And I'll, I'll run back to who the kingdom is so that you can detect. Ah, on this area, the kingdom is still at hand. It is not yet upon me. On this area of my finances, the kingdom is just at hand. I just know God will bless me. But I've not seen those blessings. Are you hearing me? We'll come back to that. But I want to explain this issue of the kingdom being within us. 
We call it the dwelling of the Lord in us. Not just want to rule you. He also wants to dwell you. Are you hearing me? He does not just want to keep you company. He wants to rule you. But he does not just want to rule you. He wants to dwell in you. I repeat. The Lord begins by keeping you company. By being around you. The kingdom being at hand. Then after a while, he is now ruling you. You are no longer in church. But after a while, the things become intimate. So he comes to dwell in you. And some of you, you are still in stage one. Keep walking. Keep discovering Jesus. And when the day for stage two comes, do not lose your moment. Embrace stage two. But allow me to explain stage three. Stage three, we read it in Luke 17 in the context of what we call times and seasons. Somebody say times and seasons. For the kingdom to dwell within you, and to produce fruit within you. Because the, the Lord Jesus also wants to be a seed in you. So that the fruit of the Spirit, who is His Spirit, can begin to manifest through you. So for Him to dwell within you, I want to give you some very, very serious revelation. You should never miss your seasons and your time. The difference between the disciples and the Pharisees was very simple. These disciples discerned the season, they discerned the time, and they bowed to the will of God. While the Pharisees were still defending tradition. Somebody say tradition. Are you hearing me? So one, one received Jesus, not because they were intelligent, but because they were discerning. Not because they were very gifted, but because they were very broken. Not because they were very sufficient, but because they were very poor. Not because they were very capable, but because they were very incapable. All their own, they knew they knew nothing. And so they bowed to Jesus. And as they bowed to Jesus, the Lord came and began to live in them. Soon power and authority was granted to them. Do not miss your season at the expense of tradition. God wants to move, but will you allow him? God wants to come through an angle you have never seen, but will you allow him? You know, Pastor, the problem with the finger of God, we see it with Moses. If today the finger of God was literal, the finger of God, not the watch of God, the finger, we will see serpents being swallowed. We will see ground opening up, people being swallowed. We will see the things we read of in Exodus and we will say, God, go back to sender. Go back to where you came from. We are so accustomed to what we know. If the Lord was to show up and sit on us, then move within us, we will have a problem. Why are families stagnated? Because they are keeping to traditions, not to discernment. The enemy of discernment, the enemy of God dwelling in you is tradition. The enemy of God dwelling within you is experience. How do people master the weather? Not using apps like some of you use on your phone. No. They look at it this year, that year, that year, till they master it. Then they know. Usually, like last year, when the sun is this hot, it is about to happen this way. So they wanted to master the kingdom. The kingdom cannot be mastered. The kingdom is a man. His name is Jesus. He is the master. 
You cannot master the kingdom. You can only submit to it. You can only say, yes, Lord. Our need is not to be blessed. Our need is to be broken. Our need is not to be blessed. Once you are broken, God can bless you with anything. And it will never occupy your heart because already he is the only sole occupant of your heart. Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, if you had known your season. Why was Jerusalem having an issue? Jerusalem was busy conducting funerals, conducting weddings, electing the new mayor, electing the new chief. Jerusalem was busy being a city till it failed to be a worshiper. Am I speaking to a Jerusalem this morning? You, are, you can be so caught up getting that thing and getting this thing and running to get here and running to get there. By the time Jesus is saying, are you done? The kingdom has already missed you. And I like what pastor keeps saying. We are not religious. If the Lord wants to put a handbrake and we, we just worship the Lord for an hour or we take time to minister, we flow with it. And this is a warning for some of you who think you are doing God a favor by opposing the move of God. I tell you the truth. The Pharisees missed it because of traditions. Do not think you are better than the Pharisees. Disciples know nothing. No wonder they are learners. They are students. Whatever the teacher wants to bring on board, they absorb it. And I challenge some of you, be disciples. Don't be masters. Be disciples. Whatever God is up to, learn of it like a child. And soon, the joy of a child will be your joy. Some of you want to have the joy of a child, but you are, in a, you are an adult. You are the one trying to cheat, coach God. And you are wondering, why is God not flowing with me? He's not flowing with you because you are in charge. The kingdom of God cannot be observed by signs. The kingdom of God lives within you. And I was giving an example. I was told, oh, don't go there so much. But allow me to go there briefly. I'll be wise. I was giving an example of a, an expectant woman. You can try to ask her questions, but you will never know the deep, real answers till you are the one in her shoe. And the baby can begin to kick, and the woman knows it is kicking because it is angry, and all those things they tell us, which we do not understand. Why? Because the kingdom, so to speak, is within her. And you don't tell that woman, you know, when you are this big, don't wear tights. No, 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 no. She's beyond those kind of teachings. And some of you, why do we have to teach you the blah, 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 the ABCDs of faith? Because the kingdom is yet to get into you. Once it is getting to you, we will not teach you about your diet. We will not teach you about your dressing. We'll not teach you how high to jump or how low not to jump. We'll not even teach you to kneel down when you are being prayed for. The kingdom will be so pregnant in you, it will regulate your seasons. I love it when people wake up and they tell me, man of God, I feel I need to do three days fasting. I feel I need to do seven days fasting. And they go to those fastings without being told by a man of God to go. Why? There is something in them determining their appetite. I feel joy when some people tell me, I used to hang out with this company. I no longer feel that excitement. Why? Because there is somebody growing in them. The kingdom is now within them. And I pray for you in the name of Jesus. May the kingdom begin to grow within you. May you no longer be pushed out of bed to pray. 
May you no longer be pushed out of your out of your car to go and reach your community. May the kingdom and the demand of it grow within you. To wrap it up, I will read Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, beautiful scripture. From verse 1. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Listen to me. Only the meek can receive good tidings. The proud have no need for good tidings. Do you know why? Because the proud, the proud are the good tidings. They are the news. So why do they need the news? Why do you give them the news while they are the news? And I pray in the name of Jesus, may the Lord deliver you from every pride. May the Lord deliver your family members from every pride. So that when the good news comes, you are found to be meek. You are found to be humble to receive it. And some of you need to stop preaching to those people you are preaching to and bind the spirit of pride. Bind the spirit of haughtiness. John says he must increase. I must decrease. No wonder his message was so powerful and it shook the whole nation. If you want your message to be powerful, be the thing you are preaching. You are preaching to the meek, you yourself be meek. And the Bible continues to say, he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives. I beg you people, when you see those who are in captivity, don't describe them. Deliver them. Don't describe them. Deliver them. Don't write about them or talk about them. Deliver them. Before you talk about this brother who is a drunkard, na, 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 please, you have the power and the authority. Luke 11 verse 19, Behold, I give you all power and authority to tread upon all serpents and scorpions and to drink all poisonous things, and lo, nothing by any means will hurt you. Go deliver the captives. But remember, before there is deliverance, there is the good news. The good news is Jesus. The good news is the cross. The good news is his death and resurrection. Go measure on that. Then after that, now tell them, based on this good news, walk free, and they will walk free. And finally, the Bible says, and to opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness and the plantings of the Lord, that he might be glorified. God wants to be glorified, but glory is work. Tell your neighbor, glory is work. Do you mean what you have said or you are just repeating a preacher? Glory is work. I want to ask you a question. 
is your news good news? When you appear to your spouse, is it good news? When you go to that company where you work, is it good news? Do you bring the kingdom near or you take it far? Because till there is good news, there will be no captives being set free. And I love how John talked about Jesus. Not about his birth. Not about his diet. Not about his clothing. Remember, John is born miraculously like Isaac. You know the story? John was born of a barren womb, but he never talked about his barren womb of a mother. He talked about Jesus. I love it how John is a weird dresser and a weird eater. John's fashion was not equaled in the land, yet he never talked about it. Are you hearing me? I love even about how he lives. He does not live in a cave. He lives in an open field in the desert, yet he does not talk about his house. When we give you this microphone, don't tell us about your house. When we give you this microphone, don't tell us about your shoes and your clothes. John had more unique shoes and more unique clothes. Are you hearing me? We are trying to make the good news to be good by eliminating debris and trash and focusing on the choice of God whose name is Jesus. We are trying to eliminate baggage of the flesh so that the good news can remain the good news. I know you have had miracles in your life, but don't tell us about miracles. Tell us about the worker of those miracles. His name is Jesus. When you go to your employment, do not quote as Baal, the God of reason. Do not quote as Asherah, the God of beauty and fertility and sexuality. Quote Jesus. Then, your good news will be good news. After that, do not lose focus. Because some of you, your family members have lost focus. What is the focus they have lost? They began by saying... We have heard the gospel, we have known about the gospel, but they have not proved the gospel. After the news is good, let it be proved. Preacher from another town, or you have to hire a preacher from another city, do it for the sake of your village. Do it for the sake of your town. You know, some of you are waiting for the day you win the Nobel Peace Prize. Then you walk to Moranga like a king. Instead of saying, Lord, when will I get 50,000? I hire a stage and we put it in Moranga town. And the gospel is preached. And the devils over this land are removed. One man looking at me did exactly that. Took us to their town where he was born. And we did some few things there. Long live the man. I'm not looking at him right now. When we focus on the good news, then we take the power of the good news. Devils will have to run, and Jesus will have to sit enthroned. Do not rebuke or feel tired about the people you have told the good news, and they are yet to warm up. It means there are devils to overthrow. Oh, man of God, I received a prophecy. What prophecy? That I will be a rich man, uh -huh. that I will be a millionaire. But instead, I'm getting broke and broke and broke. The problem is not the prophecy. The problem is the illegal entity blocking the word from manifesting. Go take care of that illegal entity. 
And as I'm looking at some of you before the year ends, some of you need to go on a fast and to tell the Lord, the devils that troubled me in 2018, we are not crossing with them to 2019. We are overthrowing these devils which are blocking the manifestation of the word from coming to pass. And finally, some of you need now to go into what we call a calendar review. I like what Jacob says, and allow me to quote it. I hope I'm not disgracing. I like what Jacob says in the book of Genesis when he met Pharaoh. Jacob meets Pharaoh and he tells him something that I love here. Uh, Genesis 47, verse 9. But let's begin from verse 8. This will, this will bless your soul. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How old are you? Verse 9. Beautiful man of God. Listen to him. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days, somebody say the days, of the years of my pilgrimage. Not of my business. Are you hearing me? The days of the years. This man had a calendar. Of my pilgrimage. Do you know a pilgrim? A pilgrim is a person who takes a journey to go to an altar. So Jacob could record every year of my life there was an altar that I was either raising or destroying. Raising or destroying. And every day I woke up there was an altar I am addressing. As I did this, now I carry the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob within me. And uh, before he died, like we say, we saw sometimes last week, he laid hands on his sons and on his grandsons, and he blessed them. He didn't write a will, he released a blessing. Some of you are more concerned about your will than the blessing you need to impart. Why? A blessing that is imparted can only come from within. And how do you make sure you have something from within? Begin to look at the days of the years of your pilgrimage. Do not just be walking through January. Ask yourself, in this January, which altar came down and which one went up? In this February, which altars were brought down? Which one were raised up? Even if those altars are not in your life, but they are in the life of other people. You can say, okay, I am done with sexual immorality. Where are they now hiding in my neighborhood? And you go to overthrow those altars of sexual immorality. I am done with witchcraft in my family. But there is a neighbor with witchcraft. Let me go and overthrow those devils. Sometimes all it takes, invite men and women of God to back you up. Please, for all that you do, make sure that you are not just living through calendar months. You are living through pilgrimage calendars. Every day should be a pilgrim. Every day you are going to an altar to overthrow it or to raise it up. And some of you, you need to renew your family altars. Your family altars are destroyed. Some of them have old dust and, 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 and ashes. And you need to fan them to flame. Because as you do this, the kingdom will come upon you. I pray, Jesus, this morning, that you will reveal yourself you will come near to those who feel you are far. You will come near, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for those who demons are sitting on them, there will be an overthrow of those demons. Every demon sitting on their finances, there will be an overthrow of those demons. And there will be a sitting of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
But when people look at their business, they no longer see struggle. They see a crowned and an enthroned king whose name is Jesus. I pray that you may begin to change their story. That it will not be a story that can be described in negative press and negative sense. But it will be described in the sense of Jesus. And Lord, finally I pray that Lord, you will live in them. Paul says that Christ may live in you by faith. I pray by faith they may know that you live in them. And because you came with the fruit, they will begin to see fruit in their lives. Lord, I pray according to John 15, abide in me and I in you, that as you do this, you will bear much fruit. Anyone who does not abide in me and me in him will be cut off. I pray none of us will be cut off, Lord, because we will abide in you. And this morning, awake us beyond the holiday season that we are in, awake us to the reality of your kingdom. Because either it is your kingdom in charge or other kingdoms that are in charge. Bless your people and crown them with the finished work of the cross as they die them on their heads. This we pray in Jesus' name. Pastor, thank you.